Okay, guys, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Introspector session where we talk about computing, the mind, and the computer mind interaction. Um, so this is going to be only on that topic, so if you don't uh, want to hear about some deep crap, then uh, yeah, you can skip this one, but I'm just warning you. We're going to actually have a topic today, and not as opposed to the previous episode, which was just totally random. I did touch on some introspector ideas that um, basically, I'll just recap that, basically the idea of a page being the unit of visual understanding, like a map, and uh, <clears throat> that is the basic input of the introspector into the brain, page at a time, and that we want to maximize the value of those pages and interlink them, and have as few as possible, actually. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, let's, uh, let's hit into it. Um, so here's some thoughts that I've had. First of all, Uh, the actual data collected by the introspector comes from, let's say, the compiler. So traditionally, I have some source project that I download at some version, and then I run that version of software through some compiler or some interpreter, let's say Python or the GNU compiler, or even something stupid like word counts, or you run it through uh, Doxygen and produce HTML and then do something with that. So we're basically taking some source version and then we're running some transformations on that and then we're analyzing the data. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking that the introspector is more of a project manager to begin with, and like a notebook, like a uh, Jupyter notebook kind of situation to, to do different worksheets. But the starting point will be a way to get the source versions, to manage running processes, and to handle the data. Just like um, the machine learning tool that I was learning about the other day on um, this week in machine learning, Metaflow, where it actually just manages the uh, running of things. I think that makes sense. So if we take it from that point, we're actually dealing with source versions of software and then running different analyses on analyses on them um, in batch. That's pretty cool. I think that's a really good starting point that I've, I knew about that, but I really kind of lost, got lost in the details, in the weeds. Okay. So then how do we run these analyses and um, how do we capture them? Well, I'm thinking Docker containers would be great. So we create a base Docker image with the different tools 
let's say, the GNU compiler, and we can apply whatever patches we want to it, and then we can run it inside the Docker container, and then we can snapshot all the results into a container that's derived that has all of the data that we need, or we put it into a data volume. Probably a data volume. And then um, that will provide us with a way of managing the execution, managing the versions, and increasing the repeatability. Because we can then push those images and make them available to people. So that's pretty cool. Then, um, and then what software do we run this on, etc. Different projects, lists of projects. What analyses do we run? Different analyses, different tools. <clears throat> so I kind of like that. So, um, the next steps, I think, are to uh, also manage just like core files. And I think the core file is the basic idea of freezing the execution. Uh, there's a tool called Creo. Uh, um, and restore in user space and that is basically like a hacking tool that can be used to um, stop the execution along any point and I'm thinking that could be used with the compiler to stop it and checkpoint it along the way to create a reproducible trace of what's going on so that's cool and those checkpoints could be modified later by the uh, introspector, so by analyzing the behavior of the program we could pick better checkpoints. <coughs> and I guess we could eventually move all of this stuff into kernel space and create a kernel space introspector, that's more later on. Yeah, because in the end we want to then um, run an analysis on runtimes, and again we can use the docker containers for that. So we could have a Docker image of the compiler frozen, um, or multiple compilers, if we need them, frozen in, in time, where we stop them. But they can exist as uh, core files or as uh, Creo snapshots. We can roll forward and backwards, and then as a parameter to the Docker, say, hey, start this process and load the timestamp there, roll forward to that. Um, so then uh, if we have a, like a Kubernetes cluster, we could have lots of these things running all over the place and they could be intercommunicating. Um, so that uh, we could extract information as we need them from them. So that's pretty cool. So you just stop the compiler, and then you can inspect all the memory and interact with it. 
and then um, your program when it's running would be able to stop and then get data from the compiler as needed and query it so make the connection between the runtime and the compile time and have them both coexist at the same time which would be pretty freaking awesome and then when we compile the compiler we could do the same thing so you could have multiple levels of introspection so compilation of the compiler, the compilation of your program with that compiler and the running of the program and if that running of the program happens to be another language model well then hey we might have to freeze it and then take the take it yeah and it's really about mapping different addresses onto each other and saying hey this memory address over here creates that memory address over there creates the instruction so we're creating a correspondence between the core the source code and the instructions created by them and then the source code in memory is then asked in the source code and the instructions so we could have a deep understanding and link interlinking um, or we could just use the debugger But um, I'm thinking more of a uh, runtime instrumentation system like Perf. And we could bake all this information in, make it available to Perf as it's needed according to different algorithms. So we're going to also probably reduce the memory footprint. We don't need a full snapshot of everything, we just need the important pieces of memory. But we'll get there. So, um, what else was I thinking about? That's about it for today, and then I was thinking, well, just now I was thinking, well, we could put it also, make this all somewhat reproducible um, in some kind of build system, uh, make it usable inside of uh, different uh, build engines. I was liking the tool called uh, Travis IO, which gives you build abilities. Yeah, and now for the open source conference, um, you know, we want databases of projects. And um, we were thinking about um, how to judge the communities. And um, I really think what we need to do is compile a um, speaker's directory or speeches and compile a list of conferences 
and understand them better. Like, who are the speakers? Who are the sponsors? What are the topics? What are the projects? That would be a useful database. Something like Lanyard was doing before they went bust. I wonder if some of that information is um, available. And I'm wondering if uh, we could make like a semantic metadata format, like Dope or Fof, that we could put inside of a inside of a project with a pull request, and just look for a certain spot, like open source conference metadata format, and just say, hey, um, this is some information on um, the project. And what conferences it attended, or what speakers it has, what speeches were there. I guess it would be multiple files or multiple entries, directory structure of some kind. Once One for each speech. That would be good. Um, that would be a great little project to have. So... Um, a little badge, a little collector that would collect that data from projects and then um, pull, pull the information, a little crawler, that gives you a starting point at least. Yeah, and then um, where do we archive all this data? I guess archive.org. Make sure it doesn't get lost. Yeah, but that's a kind of a big project to work on, so I'm not really going to go crazy about that. But um, I've already got my big projects to sort uh, already lined up. I don't want to start any new ones because I know how much work it's going to be. Lots of work. And I already just started on that with like trying to produce some crazy stuff before, like the list of open source projects in Wikipedia and how they're all interconnected. Maybe I need to revisit that with my new knowledge someday. But first things first. So we really don't have a um, project metadata yet, but maybe we can derive some of that from, uh, from the uh, Introspector project. And um, oh yeah, okay. Now finally, I remembered what I wanted to talk about. Okay, so basically. Um, so once we have the standard tools for running stuff, then we're going to have some standard tools for describing the output and processing it. So we're going to say this tool produces data in this format, and in order to transform it into something standardized, 
we're going to use these transformations. And really, we want to get it into some kind of graph format, something like a graph, a tabular format, like a data frame, some self-describing structure. And that self-describing structure will describe, and that's what I'm building for the GCC, which is like, how do we describe the structure of the data? And um, the structure of the data is derived from the code. So this piece of code here creates this data structure over here. And this piece of code here that creates that data over there, when introspected, creates another data blob. So this piece of structured data creates this piece of structured data. That's what we're getting at. This is a relationship between graph nodes. Saying, when this executes, it emits a new structure. Okay? That's like our basic asked rewriting function. So, given these bytes, split them up into a sequence. Given this sequence, parse it into a tree. Given this tree, transform it into a graph. Given this graph, transform it into this other graph. And all of these different transformations can be described with a new type of language and they can be learned from looking at the data. And that's the introspective. More to come on the next podcast. Thanks for listening.